Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to this week's episode of The Nero Show. In today's episode... EF Pro Cycling have been riding fake Lab 71 frames. We discuss it all. US bike reviewer Ben Delaney is reviewing some of the biggest bikes on the market. Chris has a secret chain guy. I've got a secret wheel guy. We discuss the underground equipment scene. If you receive kudos, are you obliged to return the favour? We discuss Strava etiquette. All right, let's get into it. So a bit of controversy... This week around pro bikes, and I must admit this is um, this is something that did come across my desk a while ago. I'm not sure I thought it was a, a nothing burger, but... See, that's weird because I thought this was massive news. I, 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 I lost it when I saw this because this was sort of what we've been talking about, but black and white. So EF Pro Cycling put up their team bikes for sale on, on their website, put all the specs out, and we went in and looked at the description of the products... The description of the frames said super light, high mod carbon construction. And then you scroll down a little bit further and it says, please note, although the graphics include Lab 71 branding, the frames are high mod specification. For those that aren't aware, the Lab 71 is the top of the line Cannondale frames. And then below that, you've got the high mod frames. So at least for some period of time, the EF Pro Cycling team were riding the lower tier carbon frames fake painted as Lab 71 frames. Now, I'm not sure if they're still doing that or this is something they were only doing for a short period of time. I don't know how long this went on for, but for some period of time, EF were fake advertising Lab 71 frames. And I, I this is massive to yeah, me. Yeah, this has got you riled up. Yeah. I know. I know it's got you riled Look, for, for me, when I first saw this, I actually, a little part of me was like, oh, so they're not riding the... They're not riding the top top of the line. Oh, that's cool. That's like, oh, they're, they're on Altegra. Fantastic. That's that's a little, that's a little nod to the people. But it's it's that massive Lab seventy one painted on the seat tube that is just there is no escaping that this is. I don't know if this is trying to mislead mislead everyone or they didn't think it would turn into this. Oh, that's black and white misleading. But then why sell it now? Like this is like surely if you thought this was a big issue, you would just go, I think we'll keep this on the down low. Or you would paint over that Lab 71 and just make no mention of it. Like it's – this is just dumb. Okay, surely. well, let's, let's think about it then. Maybe they don't think it's a big deal. Maybe they, they just put it in there. Maybe they thought no one would notice. 
Uh, either way, I think it is a big deal. For the, if, if they did think it wasn't a big deal, I, I don't see how because that's false advertising 100%. Um, so a couple of things. Why would they have been riding the high mod frame over the Lab 71? I don't know. There's plenty of reasons. Firstly, cost. Maybe the Lab 71 frames were more expensive and how many frames they're riding, they, it would be cheaper. I think probably the most likely reason is that they just didn't have the Lab 71 frames in stock at the start of the year. So they did a run of the high mod frames and maybe they're on the Lab 71 frames now. I don't know. Who knows? Um, I mean, there's a couple of other performance-based reasons. Maybe the Lab 71s, because they're lighter, they're more brittle. So they were just worried that with all the crashes that they would just be going through the frames a lot more frequently. Um, And maybe the Lab 71 version isn't as stiff. And they wanted the high mod frame, which is potentially stiffer because it's heavier. We don't know. Um, that's the reasons. I think, though, that it was probably a stock issue. I know this is the start of the year. Teams have issues getting group sets. They have issues getting heaps of stuff. So it wouldn't be surprising if they just didn't have the Lab 71 frames in stock. That doesn't excuse it, by the way. If you, don't, if you only have the high mod frames, just ride it with your high mod logos. The reason why I think this is such a big deal is because you're advertising the Lab 71 frame as it's ridden by EF. I went on the Sigma Sports website, Stock Cannondale. Big, massive banner, EF Pro Cycling photo, and it says, raced by the world's best. The Lab 71 Super 6 Evo road bikes, they're machines of choice for EF education. No, they're not. They're on the high mod frames. So as soon as they've done that, it makes all of this advertising bullshit because they weren't on the Lab 71 frames. And it might seem like it's pedantic, but we've said before that we think teams might be right. Well, there's people have said with evidence, with sources, that teams are riding uh, different layup frames for the pros only. And people are going, oh, that's just a conspiracy theory. The brands wouldn't do that. Well, here you go, black and white. They will lie to your face about what they're riding for whatever reason they chose to. And I think this is a... This is new. I, I, this is to me. This is news. I, I'm surprised that this wouldn't be on all the the news outlets because it's. Oh, you could. That's that's a further conspiracy theory potentially. Maybe, maybe it's a big cover up that uh, that no one wants to expose. Like I, I get it. All right, you've you've sold me. I'm now angry, and and <laughs> and, and while you were sitting there, but okay, look, the consumer thing, the. Kind of look at it as a bit of a house of cards. Like if this is bullshit, sort of what else? Is, it just continues to play into that. But surely also the other mains, the other manufacturers, the other brands that put all this money into World Tour Cycling would be pissed off as well. Because you know if if now everyone just starts questioning you know, any any level of bike that's being sort of put in front of us. Because, you know, for example, like surely someone like Savello, who just have been pumping money into that Yumbo Visma thing because the trade-off is we all of us froth the whole, the, all their bikes because they're the ones that are being ridden by them, et cetera, et cetera. Surely they would be like, are you fucking kidding me, Cannondale? We've tried to, we've spent all this money to try and build this cred around this sport and, the, the elite end of it, and you're just going to slap a little fake paint job on it, in it and then not even do a good job of covering it up afterwards. Like try and make a profit on the bikes after it. It's just it's just so dumb. I just can't get over how dumb this is. <laughs> it is. It's just particularly obvious. Now, I will be fair. 
people knew about this beforehand because on the little UCI certification logo, it said it was the high mod frame. So I had seen people's comments from a couple of months ago mentioning this, and I I was like, well, what, what evidence is there that they're doing that? I was never didn't really look into it too much. So for the really keen-eyed people, they already knew that this was happening, but this was just seeing it there written out like that made it 100% obvious that they're doing that. Um, and I guess, yeah, because of the UCI rules, they had to show that on the, on the, on the approval sticker. It kind of flips the argument as well because I know you just mentioned the, the whole thing about pro teams or pro riders getting special layups with the inference being that the aero that you go and buy online is not the one that Matthew Vanderpoel wins on, right? That's He gets the much the better version, whereas this is like flipped it the other way. It's like the person buying it, buying into the whole marketing thing is actually getting the supposed better bike than the people riding. There was part of me, though, as much as this annoys me because it to me shows a complete lack of integrity from the brand to be falsely advertising the product. There's a part of me that thinks it's cool that this sport is big enough and the sales of the Lab 71 frames is big enough that they would fake paint the high mod frame because they feel like that's going to move the needle. There is part of me that kind of froths that, that it's big enough that it's a big enough deal that they'd even bother in the first place. That they've sat down and thought that through. Is it? I I do think that's kind of uh, I like that. I like that. Do you think this is the tip of the iceberg? I mean, now now that you've we've seen this and we've kind of had some of the chats over the last month or two, like do do you think this goes on pretty regularly? Well, I just like it now because no one can call us a conspiracy theorist for saying that some bikes, some pros might be on a custom layout frame because people would say, well, that's a conspiracy theory. The brands wouldn't do that. And I like that we can say, well, they fake painted their frames. They're willing to do it. And, it, I mean, it opens the door to, to saying to, to that defense that, oh, no, that's a conspiracy. The brands wouldn't do that. Well, they would. Would they do more in terms of the custom layout? It's a lot harder to get evidence if they do that not or not, but... I think this is definitely opens the door to that discussion. But this this is they've almost created this this again comes back to this like how dumb it is. Like they've almost created the controversy by having such a tiered bike. And by that I mean like you've got the slab 71, then you've it goes to the high mod and then it drops down to the next sort of iteration of what that is whereas I suppose coming back to Cervelo or something it's not like there, if they were, everyone's on an S5, it's kind of just everyone's on an S5. It's not like the S5, yeah. Would you have a problem if it was the reverse way around? So if they were actually riding the Lab 71 version, but it was painted as a regular frame, do you think that's, in, that, that's a problematic or I is think, that not as bad? I think that's more problem. I think that that would piss off the the punters and me more because that, that feeds more into that kind of, oh, but, but I want that, you know, that I, I want that attainable bike. The, because Pinarello did a similar thing. I mean, they were open about it, but when they had the dogma, then they had the dogma X light that like Froome and stuff ran. And that was, and that was out there. So other brands do it. 
Um, but yeah, imagine if Froomey was on a X light, painted as a as a as a regular version. Ah, it's 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 a sticky one. Yeah, I just find it interesting that the UCI require you to have the sticker, so it says what frame it is. But there's no rules around what you're promoting the frame as as a whole. So, which is isn't the whole point of the UCI rules around that is you know this needs to be available to the public. It's all around that idea of we don't want teams writing. That's a good point. So it's it's your it's like a like an authenticity badge that is this is as advertised the Lab Seventy One Super Six model. That you see in a in a catalogue. Yes, this is the Trek Madone. Yeah, interesting. You're right. So they've let them put the sticker on, but with a paint job that says it's a higher spec. It's interesting that the UCI don't care. That because that's sort of this in the spirit of the rules around having that certification is so it's publicly available and it, you know, in theory, it is what you can buy. So again. It, I would say part of this is on the UCI to make sure that the stuff that the riders are riding looks like it is what it, what it is. Otherwise, it's totally misleading. No, that's good. That's actually that's a pretty good point, actually. Um, actually, let us know down below, guys. Is this something you care about? It's potentially a nothing burger. Yeah, it's potentially <laughs> nothing burger, but you've convinced me, so maybe we've convinced you. My Strava's blown up, Jesse. Mm-hmm. It's blown up. <laughs> That was really cool. I woke up the day after last week's episode came. I'm like, holy crap. Yes. Well, the, the, the people that have come and joined my Strava bubble have been blown away with some of the incredibly interesting bike rides that I've been doing, and they are just lapping it up, lapping it up. I think they've unfollowed by now. <laughs> Pretty much. Oh, he just goes to Centennial Park. Okay, unfollow. But um, I do want to have a bit of a Strava, a bit of a Strava chat. I did, I did downplay it, the, the premium aspect of it. It's not doing enough, but... Let's be honest, it's still the the social media community of cyclists. Like it's bigger than anything else. Yeah. Okay. Which and like and any social media comes with some comes with some etiquette. Jesse comes with some very important etiquette. So I want to I want to ask you a couple of questions here that were fired to me by a few few people throughout the week. Well, actually, hold on. Well, there's no competition. Like, what are you going to follow someone on Kamut? Like, it's, it's it, it's Strava, if you want to see someone's training. I always find it interesting when, like, an event place puts, like, the they always put it in some weird third-party um, route, yeah, like, yeah. ride my GPS yeah. or, yeah, commute or something. <laughs> and you're like, what? You convert to over to Strava, fine, okay. Um, I think that just shows the people who are actually marketing those particular events aren't actually yeah. cyclists. But anyway, um, all right. If you receive kudos from someone, are you obliged to return the kudos? Not not straight away. I would uh, I would say I'm more likely to give kudos to the people who give it back. Bit of a reciprocal. There is a reciprocal relationship. relationship. Okay. Definitely. Fair enough. Definitely. That's, yeah. that's nice. That's nice. Sorry. Um, okay. Must you follow a follower? Oh no 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 no. No, I don't want to see someone's slop commutes and trainer rides in my feed. So definitely no. No. No need to refollow. Where are you with the bulk kudos giving? Now, I know you're a 
I've heard this discussed. Shh, 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 shh. Don't be silly. <laughs> Don't worry about that. You want to talk talk us through it? Oh, well, if you if you go on your if you're going to group activity and you shake your phone, you can kudos the entire group. But it's not just for rides you've been on. So you can, I can go over to LA and join Phil Guyman's group on Strava, his ride, and just kudos everyone. Oh, so you don't have to have been on the ride? No, nah, God no. I can go wherever I want. Interesting. Yep. So I'm off. I'm I'm off to um, Colombia at the moment. I'm off with uh, with Rigo, and you know he rides with about 500 people and just yep. Bolt, Mass kudos. Interesting. Bolt, 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 okay. Yep. okay. Yep. Maybe this is this is a little bit more specific to yourself. Mm-hmm. If you do a Strava deep deep dive on someone's ride, yep. are you obliged to then kudos that ride? Or comment on that ride, or follow that person. I think you are, but I'm really bad at it because I'm looking at everyone's stuff. But I, I, I'm really bad. I should give more kudos because if someone's left their ride open and you're having a dig through and you're getting something out of it, the least you can do is chuck them a thumb up, um, or, a, or a follow. But I don't like following people that don't that never put titles in or never put photos because it's just afternoon ride, morning ride, afternoon ride. So. Um, I won't follow, but yeah, definitely. If you're having a having a flick through, and, and also as well, it's like a tier. It's like if they've just uploaded the ride and you're stalking it, sure, maybe kudos. You probably should. If someone's put a title in and stuff, definitely kudos. If someone's putting photos in, nice description, definitely, definitely. Uh, just the comments thread. Is that is it? So is it a comments thread like a YouTube one where there needs to be some back and forth? Because I've always thought that the, the the Strava comments thread is more of a statements thread. It's like, here's a statement, no need to engage with this, but I want this to be left underneath this particular activity, carry on as you were. Or do you feel like comments need to be engaged with? Obviously. No, it's a clunky, isn't it? Because you, mm. can't, you can't thread on an individual comment, so stuff just gets thrown all over the place. So, no, it's not, it's, it's not a place for chit-chat, I would say. So I find that that awkward. Like if if there are a few comments and there's a bit of banter going on, I might reply to one of them, and then it kind of all the other people who commented are like, "Well, why don't I get a reply?" <laughs> yeah. like, well, fair enough. That's probably unfair <laughs> on you, but yeah, all right. So because there's no easy sort of like, yeah, no, it's, it's a very comment. awkward in there. Yeah, yeah. Any other ones in Strava etiquette that need to be discussed? If you go for a ride, are you starting your ride as you leave the door? And incorporating everything for as long as you're out and then stopping it and one block upload? Or are you a splitter? Ride out, warm up, race, ride home, cafe, to home. There's people out there and there's like six or seven files for the same ride. What do you do? I think, uh, and I'm very, I'm passionate about this, Jesse. It's one an activity, all right? And there's, it, it's like the person who sends, who sends you seven messages, seven one-sentence messages individually in a text format and your phone just beeps at you for 20 minutes because you're receiving all these messages in one go. That is not how you interact. And that's not how I, you should be interacting because it's a community here. We're trying, to, we're trying to, you've got to be conscious of your followers and what they're seeing. So I don't want to see you writing to there you doing the event, you riding back, and then this other little bit that you did. The commuting thing, I, I will accept commuting because I actually think Strava handles that quite well. It seems to, it seems to um, drop 
if you click the commute button, it seems to change the way it sort of appears in, in your right. in your feed. So it's not sort of just flumped in front of you like like it would be a normal ride. So I'll accept that being split, obviously. But full ride, full activity. Just there's there's no there's no argument here. Yeah, but there's some real Strava frothers out there that like to split it because it pulls the average speed down. You go into a race and it's a nice 42k an hour average, and you tack on the extra bits and suddenly it's 33. It doesn't look that's, as good. That's where the lap button comes into. If, and and for those of you that want to dive in and have a look at the the activity, Jesse Coyle, you'll see it. You'll see. I'll be in there anyway. So it doesn't matter. Anyway, okay. Uh, look, I I have outed myself in the past here that I have been known to end my ride before getting quite to my door for particular average speed reasons. I'd like to actually uh, like to say publicly that I've overcome that. I've worked through it. I've stepped step-by-step process and I'm now through the other side. I'm quite happy with whatever the average speed of my ride is and nine times out of ten I'll be ending right. Mm-hmm. You know you know something on Strava I've never been able to do and I've applied multiple times is to be a Strava pro. You know you get the little badge because I've had a look through. They're not all pros. There's some there's some people on there who are not strictly pro. And I've gone you know what? They could throw me one in that I'm I'm close enough sort of on the periphery like you know. So I've and you submit your form to get there and you got to put your info through. I keep getting thrown back. You're not big enough on Instagram. I've, I feel like there's a, there's a real crossover between the Instagram influencer and the Strava Pro. That's that's your that's your angle. I think you've got to got to hit Instagram. Well, I almost harder. have more Strava followers than Instagram ones. It doesn't, but that, that Strava don't care. It's really it's it really bugs me because I really like that little that little icon. I don't have all the things I, I want. I want to be a Strava Pro. Yeah, it would be nice. What would I have to win to be a Strava pro? Because it, clearly the definition isn't technically professional because there's plenty of people I see have it that is, aren't. Is Trekkie a Strava pro? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he's pretty much an actual Yeah, I know. But I'm just kind of I'm yeah. trying to position that person. See, maybe yeah. I'm going to have to do – I'm just going to have to lifetime. go gravel. Lifetime. I think I'm done. Get I, think, I think that's it. Get him in there. It's not happening on the road, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> get him in there. Get him. What's the 36 uh, men or something? Make it 38. Get him uh, in there. God, okay. All right, all to get an icon on Strava. <laughs> worth it. Would be. All right, guys, let us know down below. Uh, any other Strava etiquettes that we – A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today missed well here's a good one let's see is ben delaney a strava pro 
Oh, but he's a verified athlete. Hold the phone. What is a verified athlete? The badge recognises public figures, noteworthy community builders and influential individuals around the world. That's what we've got to aim for. Oh. Yeah, so that's a different icon for the, than the professional athlete badge. Maybe I need to apply for this. That All sounds right. more There we go. go. There's a mission. I will, I will apply and I'll report back in the future if I can become a Strava verified athlete. I might get off Strava, just go full-time commute. Commute. <laughs> become, become a commute athlete. All right, so you mentioned Ben Delaney. Can we have a Ben Delaney chat? Yeah, let's go. Um, so a while back... I made a comment about the lack of, well, the the overpopulation of UK-based YouTube reviewers, create whatever you want to call them, right? And a few people obviously sent me on Ben's stuff. I've been watching Ben's uh, Ben's channel a little bit, but essentially, it is a review channel um, in his own style. Um, there's a little bit of a backstory about about him that you did a little deep dive on? Yeah, well, I he's pretty well known because he was the bike radar sort of main talking head and was pretty experienced and and looked pretty fit in the videos. So he was he was always in their videos and now he's gone his own way, started his own YouTube channel and is kind of that example of when the when that sort of media space probably two, three of the last two to four years started to drop. He's looks like he's jumped ship and just started his own individual uh, YouTube channel and uh, website. Uh, I don't know if he still does the journalist, if he's like a guest writer, but it's not his main thing anymore. It looks like this is really what he's pumping his effort into because he's uploading really frequently and gets is getting some pretty good views. So interesting to see that kind of journalist in the media space, in the legacy media, as Chris likes to call them, go his own way and looks to be pretty successful. It is. I mean, it's, it's similar-ish to the kind of D- Dave Arthur... I suppose story in in the sense, but what about the reviews themselves? Like, okay, this is this is this is kind of what we were asking for, isn't it? Like another review channel, spend some times on bit of time on the bike. I mean, have you watched many of his reviews? Do do you rate his opinion on 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 the bikes? Where, where are you at with him as a as a real? If we're putting him in the space of a Cam Nichols, a Dave Arthur, where does he fit? Yeah, good question. Really good question. Um, so the first thing is that a lot what – I, what I do quite like about some of the stuff that he does is when he gets the bikes – we'll talk about maybe how he gets the bikes in another time – but he, he gets the bikes and he does – and does an event on them a lot of the time. Like, for example, like he's got he, – when he got the, the Canyon Grail, he went and did the Big Sugar Lifetime Grand Prix race on it. That's – pretty common for him that he will will do an event and he'll you know the style of the video is normally he talks about it a bit then he's a bit of b-roll of the event then he then he kind of sits down sometimes he's still in kit still sweating up in his Costelli gear uh, and he'll sit there and he'll actually just give the opinion of the bike how it performed on the day etc cetera, etc cetera. so that style of thing is kind of what I would have been calling for because it is someone who's actually putting themselves and the bike to a pretty decent test the problem from my perspective is I have no interest in how the Grail performed at Big Sugar because it's not really relevant to what I want to know from a bike. But in terms of the style of stuff, yeah, I don't mind it. Okay. Okay. But the problem here isn't, I don't think, with with the style. It comes back to this whole issue that we have 
on YouTube. It was like, it was like one of the first topics I reckon we talked about in the channel, which is, you know, to make this work for him, he has to somehow have an arrangement with these brands, okay? Because he goes through them. He, I'm on his front page of his channel. BMC, Fazari, Canyon, Trek, some decathlon S-works. thing, REIT. S-Works Epic at Big, uh, Bighorn Gravel. It's like everything. That's only two months ago. Yeah, I mean, he's churning through top and just released. Like that grail was like literally just released, so he'd got it. So he's got relationships with brands to make this happen. This is where I suppose the – not. I don't want to say problems start, but you know, we, I suppose this is what we talk about is yeah. what influence then does that have on the the overall outcome? What influence does this have on the overall outcome to to maintain these relationships? Does he need to do good reviews to get the bike in the first place? Does, is he being paid? I would severely doubt that he is being paid. I'm sure he can comment and let us know. But yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, whether you're being paid or you get the bike. So you need to keep getting the bikes because you run a business based off whatever stuff you've got in the description, whatever other stuff, the kit you're wearing in the review. Like it is a, the channel is a business. Whether you're getting paid directly by the brand or not would be what the, the, uh, the Hambini fans will be getting up in arms about in terms of the reviews. Whether they directly get paid or not is kind of neither here nor there because they're making money off it. But surely my argument would be surely we're better off for having this content than not having this content because there's, there's no other way to make this work yeah. unless, he, unless he's able to get his channel sponsored by some brand that's not in any way related to cycling. Like it's, I don't know, Manscaped suddenly sponsor him and he's able to do all this stuff. But still even then to maintain a relationship, like if you're going to get the, the BMC to, to roll around with, well, you're not even even if you're not glowingly positive, they're probably less likely to send you one. And that's the that's sort of the war that is happens because Hambini uploaded a video a couple of days ago doing his engineering analysis of the Elves Falleth Evo. It wasn't a glowing review. And then in the comments, there was the sort of the classic pile on of, oh, well, the reviews on this elsewhere aren't any good because they're getting paid to do it, you know making money off it somehow, that sort of thing. So there's that side. From the other side, I look at a, like Ben Delaney and his channel. Do we just expect someone to make no money off it? Do we just expect everyone to just be like Patrick Lino and doing it as a hobby? And then, well, then what happens? Because those, if those people aren't making any money doing it and it take, it's taking them all this time and then they just go, oh, I can't be bothered, then you end up with no reviews. So I, I, I just, I'm totally in the middle where I'm, I don't join in the, oh, these reviewers all get paid and they'll just say whatever. But then also, yeah, it's not good to have people reviewing bikes and all these reviews where you don't actually get a good objective look at whether it's a good product or not. Are there any reviewers out there who you believe, like, believe's not the right word, but are there like the gold standard? If you're, if you're considering buying a bike, what's the, what's the root of YouTube... Well, the, the Hambini reviews have value. I, that would be if he's done it, a review on it in particular, I would see what he says, but only to make sure that like the bottom bracket doesn't fall out or, and the fork doesn't snap. He doesn't really review it in a real world sense. So I'm, it's more like a, I'll just quickly check the Hambini, make sure it's somewhat safe. 
and decent value. And then, then you've got the complete other side, which to me is a Dave Arthur review, which is the pure, nothing really technically sound, but just the vibe, just a vibe check on it. Complete opposites. I think both still have value. The problem is coming to the middle ground is is a little different. I think Cam Nichols has has tried to shoot the middle ground where he gives the Dave Arthur vibe of the bike. He also tries to take the bike to experts and mechanics to have to be looked at. But he's which, but he's so earnest that he can't get the bikes in the first place. And this is this is the problem. Like he he's so far the other way where it's like oh, I can't be paid, I can't have any relationship because I need to be independent, et cetera, et cetera. But then, you know, we might get two or three reviews a year of a rel- and maybe only one mainstream brand a year. And it, therefore it becomes like, well, it's not really a review channel and like Cam would probably agree, it's not really a review channel. So no, if it's not frequent enough. But, no. I mean, the, the review channels are the road CC and, and the cycling. I just put zero value in anything they say because it's just it, that they're the worst. I feel like they almost get like a free pass when it comes to this entire chat. Like we might, we might shit on or Hambini gave out to that guy in the UK whose name's lost me at the moment, Jonathan or that guy. Are you talking about the elves? Yes, Oh, that Jordan Coleman. Jordan. Oh, he was, he's from Canada, I think. Is he? Yeah. Apologies. All right. Um, About how he was measuring the bottom bracket yeah, with yeah. a shitty vernier. You know, I kind of feel like it's, it's almost easy to give out about those individual people, whereas those, the bike magazines almost get a free pass when it comes yeah. to some of this stuff. Like, Can I just say, I feel sorry for the Jordan Coleman guy. 100%. I totally He's defending. not getting paid to review an no else. chance. He would be making not like... Fucking nothing. Like he, I think he's just a, from a technical point of view, is just really not very good. And he, and I think they've people have told him that, and he seems not to listen. I just kind of feel sorry for him. I don't think he's intentionally. He's not making enough money where I'm like getting angry at his reviews. So just in defence of, because he's got like twenty five k subs. It's just like like he's just a, not technically sound, and he's. Probably doing something and even attempting to measure it, which he sh- he lost money making that video. I can it just there is n- not no basically like yeah, and it's a bit unfortunate, I suppose. The the only I suppose the only criticism you could give is that he I would say he put probably too much weight into the whole. Let's really let's let's hambini this this frame when that's. That's clearly not your go. Get get build it up, yeah. go out in the ride, do a Patrick Lino. Yeah. Oh, it feels like this. The clump, fine, hundred mm-hmm. percent. Let let's leave the engineering stuff to to those boys. Yeah, I think we've we've gotten there. But you're right. What you said about the the magazines, they're the ones that have the resources that should be doing it properly. That yeah, that do that don't really put anything through, and they get big views. Some of those bike radar videos, like big views. So people, I don't know whether they're giving them a lot of weight. So I was thinking about this myself, like before I asked you the question, like what would be my what would be my sort of routine of trying to find a review out there? And like I'm like you, I'd I'd check Hambini to see if the frame snapped in two. Um. 
my my problem is I'm and I'll totally admit this. I'm super elitist when it comes to whose opinion I value. And as far as a rider, there is no one on YouTube whose opinion I actually value. I'm sorry. I, I They're not doing what I do. I'm not talking about like level, but just in terms of the writing that I do. I'm someone who would put a lot more value in the opinion of, yeah. We're well, just asking, people, asking people you know people that I have know. the that, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they have the bike. Yeah, it's like as a whole, I actually kind of feel bad for the few people that regularly review bikes because firstly, they're not making that much money if they're making any. And then they have to deal with all the people commenting saying that you're just a shill because you're getting like, yeah, I I really just. The, The cycling influencer world is fake. It's totally fake. I, I, I reckon it's, it's some free kit and maybe, uh, maybe a trip somewhere once a year if you're really good, like if you're up there in the world. Like beyond that, no one's like making bank from, from this stuff. And like Ben, just coming back to Ben Delaney's thing real quickly, like did you watch the BMC one that he did? No, I haven't. No, I, I haven't actually, watched it. So I, I thought there was some actual value in that. Like from a just some some sound bites and stuff. So he, he interviewed someone from the from the Red Bull team who worked on the bike there, and it was I found it kind of interesting because the guy was like, "Well, this is like this is what we did." It was it was like it was kind of funny because he was there saying stuff like, "Oh, what value did we add to BMC, et cetera, et cetera?" And he's like, "Well, we've got lots more computers than they do," and it's kind of true. Like they've got more processing power to to do more CFD modeling and so they could run more tests about certain components and things like that in a period of time. And, and he was kind of saying every time you'd run a test and it, I don't know, passed the whatever it is they did, you'd lower the weight again. You'd lower the weight again. So, you know, he kind of walked through that and that's, I learned something out of that. That's kind of cool. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like there's definitely some value in it. Larger cluster of computers. I just loved that. It's like, so what did Red Bull do to you? But well, we've got lots of computers. <laughs> uh, yeah. So do you? Are you going to do a lap of honor? Not a lap of honor, like a lap, a celebratory lap. Because it wasn't that long ago that you sat here and whinged that Jayco's lost its way. It's not Aussie anymore. I think uh, Jerry must have been been watching because they've gone out and signed Caleb. So yep. Caleb's back in. Okay. Yep. Um, I think we've thrown a couple more people into the into the lead out. And then Plappy. Plappy's come back. Mm-hmm. Well, not come back, but he's he's come into the into the fold. Mm-hmm. So it's it's ossifying. Is this is this what you wanted to see? Have you have you got expectations now? Oh, yeah. I thought no, this, I, was, this was a topic that was Yeah, I I'm happy to see it. I'm just worried for for Plappy. Oh. That's a Massive freaking downgrade. Like, I don't know. Unless they've got plans to really up their technical side and the the performance stuff and that whole side of things. I really feel like he they're not going to be able to support him as well. as. So you think from a purely, like, performance support, Ineos is still... It's a big, 
big step above what, what Jayco are going to offer and therefore results-wise it's going to be more of a challenge. Yeah, well, even and experience. And even you can say, like, well, they have two nutritionists and you could you can, like, numbers match it. But in terms of They've experience of the stuff, yeah. Mm. So you, like going a little deeper in terms of who, who's dealt with the most Grand Tour winners, who's got the staff that have been around them, like – if you go a layer, a step further, it really starts to fall apart as opposed to just like a head count check of who the staff. So funny how you analyze stuff like this because like in the media, it all gets played out. It's like, oh, Aussie, Aussies, Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. And it's like, therefore it's like, oh, well, it's all good because, you know, Aussies are back and all this kind of thing. And you're sitting there going. Well, it's, it's potentially really incredible mm. as long as it continues like Luke Plapp's development and doesn't put a cap on him. That's a fair comment. Yeah, okay. I'm just like, oh, I'm like, what awesome, incredible talent development have Jayco done the last five years? That's a fair point. And he's not, Luke Plapp isn't already an experienced, seasoned pro. He needs that support if he's going to be, a, I don't know what he wants to target, if he's going to be targeting Grand Tours. So that's uh, uh, just a little... Um, and don't don't fuck up our best talent. Don't <laughs> like it's just oh, it's really annoying. And you look at someone like Jai Hindley on Bora. You're like that they've done this that support for him. What they've done with him is incredible. It'd be awesome if Jayco could do the same with Plappy. I'm I, I don't see it, but fingers crossed that they managed to. Yeah. My only other world tour sort of commentary was uh, Wouts on his Rigo tour. So uh, <laughs> Rigo's didn't invite Poggy back this year. He's gone, no. He's uh, stepped it up for a bit of wout on the scene. And uh, I don't know, it's, it's kind of almost sad that we see this stuff on Twitter. I'd love to have it just been stayed mysterious, like wout's, wout's over in Columbia. Who knows what's going on over there? But now you kind of see these like lame pro cyclist dancing videos. It's like, <laughs> oh, no, didn't want to see this. So I got a chain guy. Oh, I've got a chain guy, ladies and gentlemen. Got a man. I have a chain person. I have a chain man. Sends me, uh, sends me full waxed, full waxed little fellas. I will, I will, I will drop a link in the description. I didn't ask my chain man whether he wanted a shout out or not. So, so. what's the system here? So system? does he does does he do international or is he Aussie? He's Australian. So he's a Brizzy boy, young little kid. In fact, I think he was racing out in Tasmania. Um, so he's got a little side business. In the in the garage, cooking up some cooking up. I've never the, used a wax chain actually. He's so it's the he's the full. It gives you it gives you a nice little. It's like you you're buying a puppy. It shows you the pictures of it going into the <laughs> into, into the uh, into the pot, and then you get your sort of oh, when's it coming out? Um, yeah, and so Pat cooks them up um, fully fully in there. I bought two, and then I'll so I'll just kind of. So you do, so once it wears off, do you send them back to him? No. So I will. I you will, just bin them because you're a pro. I'm just, stuck, yeah, done, just done for a week or so. Yeah. yeah. No, I'll put a drip, a um, a waxed drip lube on it post post that. But um, no. So I'll, and I'll swap between the two of them and and go that route. But I think it's a nice little. It's like, I feel very very special about. You kind of know a guy. I know a guy. Yeah. yeah. What other stuff do you have a person for? Because I know you had a, a, a an alterations lady. Have. Well, have. Oh, she's still, well, still running. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Just yeah. To... I mean, the Nero kit doesn't need any adjustments. It 
fits like a glove. But for the old stuff, you had to take it to her and she'd, you know, tighten things up. And there's a really pro, cheap, underrated thing to do is go to your local seamstress or seam, seam sir and put the kid on and get them to, to take up a bit of slack around the traps, you know, around the stomach, you know, get it, get it custom altered. 100%. Um, Is that what you did with her? No, she was just fixing holes from crashes. Oh, oh okay. Because oh, well, that's back, not as fun. Back when we were <laughs> basically only had sort of one skin suit or something, it was, yeah, it was just a matter of doing that. Because you could take your, your falling down aero socks in there and get her to just take up a couple of meal around the, around the rear. Well, I like that. I hadn't actually considered that option. Um, any other things, any other people? No, which, like, I feel like that the day of the – because there was the day where – there was almost like the garage mechanic who operated classically out of their garage. It was was sometimes like a former like domestic pro type sort of person. And yeah, you could, you know, he could squeeze you in, fit you in, that sort of thing. And there was one there was one on the northern beaches in Sydney who did it, but I don't know if it exists anymore. Yeah, it doesn't really. I reckon maybe not in Australia, in the UK, I reckon there's definitely a bearing guy. Oh, yes. So if you you're off doing your TTs coming out of winter and you just take your bike to your bearing guy if you know one and he'll just he'll do you up with ceramic low friction oils he, he, that's got to exist i think i think mountain bikers have like suspension guys i think that's a whole separate little community that's i've got no idea about but yeah set your set your set your your I mean, you've got your standard you've got your mechanics you've got your bike fit guy i know a guy um shoot there's always um, there's also like a foot guy, custom footbeds, and it doesn't necessarily need to be linked to the bike fit. So you you might go and see your bike fit guy and then go to your foot guy and he'll custom mold your shoes in custom insoles and it's a whole separate procedure. So there's definitely a foot guy that exists. The, um, the bike behind you there, the Devlin, so that's a steel frame bike that is built in Australia. So it's a, it's a steel frame custom bike built in Australia and that's that's a guy. So there's a whole community of like the, the the steel frame building community in Australia is like half a dozen people or maybe a dozen people and they all they all they are proper garage based you know there's no one in an industrial sort of center doing this stuff. It's garage based sort of bits and pieces. So I don't know. I could potentially come. Okay. Up, I've got a Still, frame guy. Your frame guy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, and that was the other kind of thing I was going to mention. Like, I, I'm pretty right in saying there is no full time Australian steel frame builder. Everyone's doing it as a side project. I got plenty more here. Wheel guy. Uh, you, yeah, wheel you, guy. you don't run stock wheels, no. so you got to go take it to your wheel guy. Checks tension, tensions them up. Potentially, potentially, uh, yeah. Cha- also, changing the bearings up, rim tape. Just make sure that they're ready to run. Balance them. Make sure they're all even. So definitely, wheel guy. Also, uh, underground carbon repair guy. Mm. If you crack your frame, you don't necessarily go to a shop or a a professional carbon repair guy. There are blokes back of the garage set up that'll just wrap some weave around epoxy over the top and we'll just get you by. So that also exists. What's next? I think tyre guy. Yeah. I think I'm, that's, I'm almost at that stage where I guy. would see a tyre guy yeah. just for <laughs> just because 
my setups are. I'm having oh, nailed it. Oh, I'm, I'm probably going to be a bit wet. It's a bit of a twisty course. What do you got for me? Oh, let's have a look here. We've got some wet slicks. Yeah, but well, it goes to, so it goes beyond just installing the tire because you've also got a tire preconditioning. So there was also I heard this was a few years ago. Um, Tour of the Tropics, wet criterium technical stage. There were guys conditioning their tires before the stage with specific cut patterns, like new tire, so brand new tire, but like it's a stock tire, it's new, there's not enough grip. So there was custom cutting of the tire to make it appropriate for the wet. So potentially your wheel guy also can precondition your wet weather tires. That is a thing I have heard of. Sam Hill didn't use those. No, no. <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> didn't, definitely didn't use it. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I could definitely get around a tire. I think with that with that whole gravel scene, there's got to be tire guys, definitely. I reckon they're doing custom kind of uh, like your custom tread. Mm. So you, you, you got a big sugar tread. You've got your uh, you've got your, your dirty warny tread. Yeah, dirty warny tread. Dirty, not dirty cans. They've changed. I can't say that. Um, unbound. Your unbound tread. Like you can't run stock tires. Yeah. Not if you're doing big gravel. So you're going to be running. Uh, your custom tires. Yep, definitely. I got so many guys. I got another one. <laughs> your custom custom drink mix guy. Oh, and wow. He's, he's custom blending. I rem- ben Carmen was doing this back in the day. He had these custom custom blend. So you got Leo, what, yep. blokes would rock up and there's got like bags of powder for, for your guy. So if you know a guy, he'll just bulk mix them in buckets in his garage and then he'll give you the hookup. Still remember that day. We actually was at the Bay Run. We met at sort of the Bay Run and Leo just hands me back like, Glad wrap bags of powder. We were first on the the ludic prototype back in the day. We were running. We were the first. Do you watch any stuff on much stuff on YouTube, which is just bike camera footage? No. Are you so totally done with it? Yeah. <laughs> I struggle. I, I I went through a NorCal phase. It was honestly probably a couple years ago where I would watch every few. It just doesn't fit with how I watch YouTube anymore. I, w- I wouldn't really sit down and watch like a a GoPro review of something. Like a breakdown of a race. Because this, this is the kind of thing I'm seeing at the moment. There's a lot of these like obviously the ultra endurance racy stuff or even like the gravel stuff. There's less and less road race, in race stuff appearing. Um, and you know, there's plenty of reasons for it. Like who wants to slap a big camera on there? bike and then you've got to like find yourself as the rider and the director of the show while you're actually in the race. Mm. And the reason I kind of am talking about it is because I shot quite a bit of bike camera footage was in the US, a couple of races, things, and I've started putting some of them together. And I'm a bit like, I, I, I don't know, like, because I'm not watching any of that stuff at the moment. So, you know, and I know like the way Dylan Johnson does it, is he just like literally, he doesn't even use some of his own stuff. He kind of seems to get bits and pieces of the other people's stuff. But what he talks about throughout the the, the review, or not the review, the race recap is like what power I had to do here, what power I had to do there, and then it kind of tells this overall story of the whole thing. Whereas just to, here's the race footage, oh, there goes the attack, should I jump across to it? Is that still valuable for people? But the problem is he's doing such big races, people actually care. Mm. Whereas doing a, a a play-by-play of Patterson Pass road races is <laughs> like not as interesting because the names aren't as big that are in there. And I, I don't know, like I'm with you. I, I wouldn't watch a video like that. 
I'm talking about like the example you're talking about. So it's really hard to make a video of something you wouldn't watch because you're just not that interested in it. So then you're sitting on this footage going, well, I'm sure someone would like it, but then you're not that passionate about actually editing it and recording it. So you end up just sitting on it. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I kind of thought that, yeah, specifically about that Patterson Pass one is like the heat. And so I could talk a little bit about like the heat stuff that I did before I went. But then again, that's like sort of stuff that's been trod on before. Um, but then that's something I would watch. If someone had an actual good breakdown of how they prepped for a hot road race and I felt like I was going to get something out of it or be somewhat interesting, I'd probably watch it. Mm. So that would be a little different. Does the, does the quality of the footage matter? So this is the other thing. So I used that old Hero 5 session. Oh, a session. Yeah, the session. Oh, okay. And it's like, because it's it's the lightest and the littlest. And that was a super hilly race. It was like two and a half thousand meters of climbing. And I was like, I didn't want to slap some big camera on there. So, you know, the actual quality of the footage is a bit shit. And so then it becomes like, maybe I do lots of cuddle. Like it's really on the edge of whether or not it's, it's usable. Um, yeah. So... I don't know. Well, I, there's all, I suppose there'll always be space for like a big crit in LA with like Legion doing lead outs. There'll always be plenty of people keen to watch that stuff, but just pure good old fashioned bike footage. Cause I can already see the thumbnail. It's like, Oh yeah. There well, we've, it is. we've got the, the crit footage from a month ago, two months ago. And we just like, well, we're just going to talk over it. I mean, I, I probably wouldn't watch that if it was someone else's. So why would I, insult the audience by making it like uh, it's yeah and it's like well what are you going to say oh i followed an attack here and that that's the other problem it's like anytime you start talking about this stuff like in hindsight it makes it all seem like it's all calculated Do you know what i mean like you're sitting there talking about it, it's like oh there goes the move this is this is the moment i thought about it and i jumped across i'm like that's not what my brain my brain during a race is like a mess of just snot and I don't know what I'm doing and then to sit back afterward and like break it down and talk about it analytically just feels like completely fake sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. but it's, it's stupid because I spend all this time thinking about what would be a good, like barrel. I rode with the friggin' like yeah. chest strap and everything. And I spent like ages thinking about it, I did, like test runs on it like thinking, oh, how much battery can I get from this? I'll bring a spare battery. I'll do a battery swap during it. So I had this whole thing about how much time to spend on it. And afterwards I looked at the footage and I'm like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. So, and, and that's me with a YouTube channel. Do you know what I mean? Like what, why would anyone bother? See, I reckon with that example, here's, here's what I th I'd probably watch would be under eight minutes long and just go, how I went top 10 at Barrel or at that Grand Fondo. And, but don't just use the bike footage. I'd probably bring in some nutrition stuff, equip, a bit of equipment, pacing kind of stuff, how the race played out. I reckon you could, if you put that into something short, like you don't need to extend it out over like 20 minutes, like your, your gravel stuff. I, I'd, I'd watch it if you did that. The full you story type thing. Yeah. Okay. You just feel like someone's yeah. watching and they're kind of like, what do those Highlanders guys do? That's a pretty good ride. That's pretty quick. I think that'd be interesting. And that's where I think there is value in. So I had the chest strap. 
and it was like 4K, 60, like it looks sick, like that angle. I reckon that actually matters in a scenario like that, whereas the bouncy Patterson pass, like blown out, no stabilisation, Euro 5, I just don't think someone had watched it. I reckon we start. We just start doing Instagram influencers things. Just today's episode, oh, yeah. know, Rafa. Maybe we could just be brought to you by Rafa. Fake, just totally. Let's just fake it till we make it. Yeah, let's add. Who do we want to? Who do we want? I reckon we just go cash. I reckon we just give big, massive shout to cash. Oh, yeah, if we're going, guys, f- episode fifty-eight. Fake it. You go. Red Bull. Yeah, all right. Up there. Brought to you by uh, BlackRock Investment Management and Risk Advisory Services. Fantastic. All right, I reckon that's us done this week, Jesse. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. We will see you again next week. See you then. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.